and welcome to the I Am Woman Project, where every week we have deep thought-provoking and interesting conversations with thought leaders, change instigators, rule breakers and creative minds who think differently, sparking creativity and inspiration. Our special guests on our show cover a variety of topics just for you, and they share their personal stories to inspire, motivate and empower you, our listener. The I Am Woman podcast is produced for your enjoyment and show notes are found at www.catherineplano.com. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get into the show. People are always complimenting on my photos and they ask me, who is your photographer? And I tell them I don't have a photographer. I have access to the best photographers. That's the main reason why today's episode is brought to you by Verve Portraits. Let me share my experience with Verve. They genuinely want to know all about you. They are curious about your why, your purpose, to establish the right elements for a memorable experience. Verve really know how to capture your story and bring it to life that creates emotional connection. They carefully select the best photographers from around the world and their mission is to create unforgettable experiences that will be celebrated for a lifetime. So I highly recommend that you check them out and prepare yourself for your own unforgettable experience. It's now time to head over to verveportraits.com.au forward slash Catherine where you receive a discount as a special gift for our listeners. As always, this week, another amazing guest for you, Vinay Myers, who is on a personal mission to disrupt the status quo, and she knows how to. She's lived it. Vinay rose out of Baltimore's working class to become a Harvard-trained lawyer, entrepreneur, author, and cultural innovator. Her dynamic, laugh-out-loud speeches inspire audiences to go further, to move beyond leveling the playing field to create a new field altogether and empower people of all backgrounds to contribute at their highest levels. Vinay asks hard questions because today's companies and communities need to figure out how to solve seemingly intractable systemic problems. With humility born from years of experience in life and in the field, Vinay's stories spell out the steps needed to embrace difference and create fair and prosperous solutions that help reorganize our world. Author of the best-selling books, Moving Diversity Forward, How to Move from Well-Meaning to Well-Doing, and What If I Say the Wrong Thing, 25 Habits for Culturally Effective People. Vinay has touched over 1 million people through her speeches, appearances, and transformative message of power and possibility. Her inspiring TED Talk, How to Overcome Our Biases, Walk Boldly Toward Them, 
offers three ways any person can overcome an active participant in countering bias in ourselves and in others to create a more just world. A quote from the inspirational woman. Diversity is being invited to the party. Inclusion is being asked to dance. It's now time to enjoy Vinay Myers. Enjoy. Well, a good morning or good afternoon, depending on what side of the world you are on today. We have another very special guest for you this morning. We have Vernae Myers, all the way from Baltimore, Maryland. Welcome to I Am Woman Project. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. We're very happy to have you on the show. So, Vinay, as we always start our show, we'd love to ask our woman of inspiration to tell us her unique story. So, what inspired you to do what you do today? Well, it's uh, it's a it's a pleasure to be able to sort of make all the connections because I've been thinking about this. I was I was brought up actually in Baltimore, Maryland, um, with amazing parents who were very strong and very principled. Um, and my mom in particular was incredibly like faith based, like really cared deeply about uh, about God and about righteousness and justice. And, you know, I actually also came up. I was about eight years old when Martin Luther King was assassinated. And he had been my real hero. And there was something about his death um, and everything he stood for that really made me want to become, I would I would say, to become the dream that he had. And so that meant that I felt very um, responsible for carrying out this idea of peace and justice and being the kind of person that... Um, that would make a difference in the world the way he had made a difference. And so that really, that informed me, but it also actually practically made opportunities uh, available to me. Once he was assassinated, the U.S. government started looking more closely at, um, you know, the disparities, um, economics, you know, what was happening in people's neighborhoods in various cities. And it's not a lot of you may know that there was a huge uh, there were huge uprisings everywhere. And what that did was to create all sorts of new programs and loans and opportunities in offices and also in my neighborhood. So what it meant for me is that I got to leave my neighborhood and go to whatever school I wanted to. Prior to that time, you had to sort of stay in the district schools. And that um, sort of being able to avail myself to that level of education um, got me to a really fabulous high school, which got me to a great college. I went to Barnard College, Columbia University. That got me to Harvard Law School. And then I was practicing as a lawyer. Um, And then I discovered that practicing as a lawyer was not getting me closer to being the kind of person I wanted to be um, to make real change in the world. I was working in a corporate law firm, but it wasn't at all sort of the best use of me, I decided. And so I started being more attracted to um, the types of initiatives that were in place in Boston, where I was living. Um, I had a child. I had a, a husband. I was involved with my community. And I started running um, an organization. I was the executive um, director of an organization that was about making sure that 
um, the law firms in Boston were inviting to people of all backgrounds as a black person and as a woman, uh, there were the representation was very low in the major prestigious law firms. And so I helped to create uh, an opp more opportunities for women and people of color. And then I went and worked for the attorney general um, of Massachusetts um, as his deputy chief of staff where I was also responsible for both internally and externally relating to uh, different communities and making sure they felt welcomed and respected. And then little by little, learning everything that I knew, I decided to launch my own company. And right now I am an inclusion specialist. Um, I am someone who is a cultural innovator. I go into companies um, and organizations of all sizes, especially Fortune 500 companies, to talk to them about how they build cultures that support uh, and respect differences where everybody anyone from every background can come and thrive. Wow, I have so many questions for you, Vinay. So for our listeners who uh, probably uh, are maybe a little bit too young to remember or know who Martin Luther King is, would you like yes. to share his vision or his dream? Yeah, so Martin Luther King was really the United States hero for civil rights. So up until uh, the 50s or the 60s, uh, black people in particular were still not allowed to eat at counters with white people. They were not allowed on buses. And if they were on buses, they had to go to the back. They couldn't drink out of certain fountains. This was called the Jim Crow system. Um, and it was, they were, they had very few opportunities. You could decide not to hire a person if they were black. Uh, there was a lot of um, impediments to them exercising the right to vote. I mean, they had been given the right to vote, but um, really what happened is that there were just all these weird, horrible things that would be done so that they couldn't exercise their right to vote. And Martin Luther King was the person, along with many other incredibly brave men and women who said this enough, this cannot happen anymore. And they staged all sorts of peaceful protest um, in the South in particular, um, Alabama, places like that, um, to um, insist on that everyone be given the same rights. And they were incredibly successful and they opened the counters and they opened the buses and they made uh, huge progress. A number of laws were passed, the Civil Rights Law of 64 and then 65, and then schools were open. So there were a number of things that he was able to do, but in the midst of it, he also started looking at issues of war. And also um, we were in the Vietnam War and he was speaking out against that. He was looking at economic opportunity generally across all sorts of races, um, jobs, and just really dignity. And so he actually was assassinated, um, which broke, I think, the heart of so many people and also really caused our country to, um, in some ways, um, just we trim it was a time where so many people were being assassinated um both kennedy pre the president and his brother 
was were also assassinated. Malcolm X. They, they it was just an enormous horrible time for us. Um, but it did also make it possible for new policies and practices. And I was a beneficiary of that dream. And he talked about having a dream where people would be respected for who they were and not be judged, especially judged negatively because of their race or their color or their creed. And um, that's really what my mission is about as well. It's pretty amazing that that stuff took place. I still can't get my head around it. That just makes me, I can't tell you how it makes me feel. But it isn't amazing that one man had such a strong vision. And and I talk about how important it is to have a vision, an end in mind, because when you're really passionate about it and you're very clear about what that vision is, it it just all comes together. And I think it's really important, for, especially for our entrepreneurs, to have an end in mind and be very clear that they not just see it, but they feel it. Mm -hmm. They can, And it's almost like it unfolds in front of you. Yeah, it's very interesting about visions because, you know, of course, I I ended I started being a lawyer and I thought that was supposed to be the thing. And the thing about visions is that a lot of people think they're static and they're not. Um, they can be revised and should be. Right. And I think it's important. Um, I think sometimes people also achieve a certain vision and then they're like, now what? Right. Mm-hmm. So always pointing and looking and evaluating and then sometimes changing direction is also important. At least it has been in my life to have the courage to have a vision and then to see, and, and then to see or get some other information about who you are and what the best use of you would be. And then aiming in that direction. Um, and then watching, <laughs> I've, I've often come to times in my career where I'm looking around and I, I actually can see where the next step is, but there's a gap <laughs> between where I am and where I want to go. And what I've discovered is the same courage or understanding or faith that I employed way back when, when I was a young kid and I was jumping the gap, you know, the, the gap between what I, where I was and where I wanted to be. It's that same gap each time. It's just that you're on a higher and higher level. So you have to console yourself. You've done this jump before. You've seen this chasm before. You have the faith to do this. You have the courage to do this. Now let's go, you know, and it's been very fascinating from from that point of view. Mm, I love that. And I love that I actually had this conversation just the other day with another one of our guests and I was saying it to me, a vision is almost like a yellow brick road. Sometimes you don't know the how, but the passion is so strong and you have that picture in your mind, but it's yes. the how. I call that, that's the gap you talk about. You yes. just got to keep moving and the road kind of unfolds as you're stepping forward, but you've got to take a step forward. Yes, you got to keep it. You got to keep it moving, as they say. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Vinay, it takes me to another question you talked about, and you mentioned inclusion specialist. So, what does that look like? It really is about interpreting for people where exclusion is happening and how to change um, everything from policies to practices to mindsets. Um, to sort of the type of subtle messaging 
that might be in an environment which is saying to some people you're in and to other people you're out. So as an inclusion specialist, I'm looking at and analyzing how an organization does what it does um, and how a particular team does what it does. And I'm helping people to recognize where the exclusion is, where the bias is, where the misjudgments are, where the misses are, and making, helping them to figure out how they want to do it differently, how they want to transform their culture so that people are not, so that you really aren't wasting talent because so many people come with so much to give. But often, if the culture is set up and shaped to only really receive and respect and give opportunities to one group of people. You have all these other people who are just kind of standing outside on a wall, hoping to get in, but never quite finding their place. Mm, I love that. It's, I, I love the fact that you look for the, where is the exclusion happening for you to that start working the yeah. inclusion piece? So when you actually mentioned bias, so how does one overcome uh, biases? Because I myself do a lot of work in a corporate environment. And when we're talking about culture, culture is a living, breathing entity. And when individuals have been in this culture for such a long time, it's almost a default position. And sometimes these biases, they're not even aware of them until they receive the feedback and we bring that to light. So how do you overcome a bias? when you actually see it? Well, I think you, so much of what you said is correct. Like people don't sometimes even notice it, right? Because they're a fish in water in the culture. It works for them. Um, And so they don't know that it doesn't work as well for some other people. You know, they're telling jokes that they think are funny. They're they're not, (laughs) you know, they're, um, they're deciding where we should go for dinner and, you know, it's all, all beef, but then the vegetarians have nowhere to go. I mean, it can be something that simple, you know? Um, And so I think what has to happen is people have to decide, first of all, that they um, want to see the biases. I find that a lot of people who are really good people, they don't want to admit (laughs) that they have biases because they think that somehow that would make them a bad person. Whereas I just think it makes them a person (laughs) because of what we now know scientifically about what our brains do all on their own. And so I think you have to wrestle with your denial, get out of it, and then really start looking for your biases. And the easiest way to do that is to kind of look at what your group is, you know, who do you hang out with? Who do you have dinner with? Um, Who do you like being around? Because often those are the people who are most like you, or those are the people who, for whom you have a positive bias, right? Because they're both positive and negative. Um, But you might also say, where am I uncomfortable? Or who have I never invited to my home or gone out with? Or you might also look at who you have mentored, right? Or, um, or who you give opportunities to, who you even tell gossip to. So you start to actually do an analysis of your own in and out groups. And usually people are in an in group because you have some negative bias toward them or else you would be, be embracing them in some way, or you have a discomfort with them that's based on some stereotype. Um, and then once you start to analyze your own 
thing, you can your own friendships and groups, you can see a pattern and the pattern kind of points to a bias. Um, it could also be like who you hire and who what kind of schools you think great people come from, you know, that kind of stuff. And then you start saying to yourself, where did you get that? Where did I get that bias? And what is it based on? And do I have enough experience or information um, to actually um, believe this? And if not, how do I get more curious about what I thought I knew, but I obviously don't know? And so that's sort of the way you go. You go looking for your biases. Once you discover them, you start trying to get more information to so that you are actually not pigeonholing or stereotyping people, but you have a fuller breadth of understanding about who a particular person is and um, and even sort of what group what groups because groups do share characteristics, but often um, those characteristics are used against them instead of understanding them. So, Vinay, what I'm hearing is basically look for those resistance within your environment and then look at what are those resistance to understand or overcome what your biases are. Yeah. 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 It reminds people who's doing well and who's not doing well because they'll tell you, like, the people who are not doing well, they can give you a specific time and date as to where exclusion has um, happened and what the patterns are. Mm. Reminds me of a quote from Jim Rowan, uh, you are the average of the five people you hang out with. Mm, love it. Mm, yeah. It is. It is it's so true. Absolutely so true. So, Vinay, in your time, what are, what are some of the radical shifts that have taken place in your life? Yeah, I mean, there have been many. And one of the things that I think was radical for me um, is um, I had – was working as a lawyer and I was doing everything I was supposed to and I looked very successful and I had a baby and I had a husband and the whole bit. And then um, I was miserable still. <laughs> and um, luckily my husband at the time, he's not my ex-husband, he gave me a book and it was called Composing a Life. And it was by Catherine Bateson, who's the daughter of Margaret Mead, the famous um, anthropologist. Anyway, she had interviewed a bunch of women who were all very successful and talked about how they became successful, very much like this show. And what I noticed is that not one of them were the same. Not one of them had done the same thing, made the same choices, had the same careers or whatever. In other words, I realized you can compose a light your own life and you who better to compose your own life. Mm -hmm. Um, Get deliberate about creating the kind of life that will make you happy because you're the only one who has that kind of information. When you keep trying to replicate what you see other people doing, it is often not going to get you to a part, a place of peace or a a place of um, really feeling that you are using your best self. And so this was a radical shift for me. People pleasing was something I got taught very early on in life. Uh, it, it, and the thing about people pleasing, it will, it will get you a certain distance for sure, but it will never take you ultimately to your, your highest purpose, right? So I started getting brave enough to say, actually, I don't want to practice law. I want to go do something else, right? And that something else has become, has allowed me to become who I am right now instead of sticking to a life that someone told me I should have. 
So true. I think it's really important. I was having this conversation as well just the other day. We were talking about how, and I think it's probably more so women than men, but I'm sure there's men out there as well, that very much it's about giving. You know, I think it's almost our default position as women or as mothers or as sisters. It doesn't really matter that I think it's, it's, it is about how do we look after others rather than how do we look after ourselves. And I think this people pleasing, you hear this quite often that so much easier for us to say yes, but in actual fact, what we're doing is saying no to ourselves. So I think that, you know, with, with those, for our listeners and for those entrepreneurs out there, it's find your own voice, be your own expert and use your own superpowers. Don't try to be somebody else. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. So Renee, uh, Vernay, sorry about that. Got your name completely wrong. Vernay, what would be a piece of advice that you would like to give to someone who would like to embark on a new career or life? Yeah, you know, so one thing I would say is, you know what you want to do. And the reason why I say this is because so many people will come to you like, I don't know what I want to do. I mean, I don't want to do what I'm doing, but I don't want to know what I want to do. And um, I got this from a friend of mine um, who I came to her and I was crying the blues. And she said, you know what you want to do? And I was like, I don't. She's like, yes, you do. You just don't want to do it. And so one of the things I want to say to people is somewhere in your intuition, in your experience, in your gifts um, is a message for you about what is next and what it is that you need to do in order to get there. However, sometimes it involves letting something else go and trying to find a certain kind of alignment And alignment is not easy because, I mean, it's easy once you've done it, but to get there, usually we've got to step outside of our safety zones. We've got to, um, you know, do something that we've never done before. We've actually got to let go the thing that everybody tells us is the, the sure bet or even things that we know are not good, but we know them. They're familiar to us. We can predict them or it could be a person even. And so one is, you know what it is that you want to do. You've got to let yourself do it. And what that may mean is that you have to let go to get. Um, You can't hold on and also still move often. And so I think that would be my biggest sort of advice based on what I have discovered in life. Wow, that is so powerful. I'm writing this down because I think that quite often and so many times we have this conversation where, uh, especially if you're a giver or a people pleaser, and then all of a sudden you get asked that question, what is it that you want for you? They stumble on the answer because they never focus on what they want. But just having that statement, you know what you want to do, that's Mm -hmm. a really deep inquiry because it makes you think, well, if I do know what I want to do. What is that? Mm-hmm. I love that. In fact, one um, at the at the oh, suggestion of a woman who, oh, I wish I remembered her last name, Tracy something. She has an exercise where for 30 days at night, you, you write in a journal um, what you would do if you were not afraid. Mm. And for 30 days, you just say, you know, I would do this. If, if, if I were not afraid, I would. 
And that is the end of that sentence is usually who you are and what you want. It's just that there's a fear um, that is blocking you often from being able to articulate it even to yourself. Um, so sometimes you have to do these exercises to get the blockages out and the limitations out. And certainly people pleasing is one of um, the biggest blocks. What will people say? What will people think? What will my mother think? I mean, when I quit the law, I mean, you, this is a hard thing for a working class kid to do, especially when she's had incredible, her parents have sacrificed so much and they are so proud of you that you've attorney, you've, you're, you're like an attorney, you're, you're a professional, you're the first in the family to go to law school, or whatever. And then, and then you're like, yeah, I'm not going to do this. <laughs> and, and, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, you're crazy or why would you turn that down? Or, you know, that money, you're making less money now, which is another big thing that people don't want to let go often. But I have to, I'm happy to say that the money I make now is quite sufficient. <laughs> I did have to go through a period of much less. But, you know, I said to my mom, she goes, but you're wasting everything, you know. And I said, no, mom, everything I've done, everything I've learned, I can still use it. It's never you never none of it is a waste. If you have gotten, you got your lessons, you take them with you. Um, and I think that um, that has been a powerful um, revelation for me as well. Mm, I love that. It's so true. Do you know, it doesn't really matter what you do. You can always bring that experience into now in yeah. some way, shape or form. I'm sure, Vinay, you must connect with, oh, I learned that in, in or oh, I did that when I was doing law. And, and you yeah. can actually bring some of that experience or energy into what you do today. Absolutely. The way I learned to think, the way that I organized, how long I worked, how hard I worked. And also I built an entire business initially on servicing law firms. Mm. And I was extremely successful because lawyers want to hear from other lawyers. And so that gave me an in that I could not have predicted, but it made all things possible. Mm, I really love that. And I think that it's, it's really important for, for our listeners to understand quite often we, uh, set up a business and we go and, uh, our target market is something we have no experience in. And I think it's even for me when I decided to take the leap of faith and start my own business, it definitely, and that's going back 10 years ago, but it was about stepping into the same environment that I was working, which was corporate. Right. Uh, but I wasn't about to step into an environment that I wasn't familiar with. And I think that's where sometimes we make a mistake. What are your mm -hmm. thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean, it's so interesting because when I went out, I did a lot of research first. I talked to a lot of people in the field that I was in. I don't know if you also did that or not, mm. but I think that that's an important thing because I asked as many people as I could, what's the upside and what's the downside? So being a consultant, for example, which I am, is very hard if you, because you're always worried about, it can be very hard. I, I don't feel that now, but I know at the beginning I was like, what if I don't have a client or what, if, you know, what's, what am I going to do? Like, and you get so excited when you get a client and then you're like, oh no, but then I have to find another client and another client. And so I, I really talked to a lot of people about the experience, um, about what you have to do if you're a solo person. And I basically asked myself, are you comfortable doing that? And do you, and, but what is really true is that, um, some people do have to venture out into areas they've never been. I was able, because I was in a professional world already, 
to take something I had already done and to figure out how to transform it into a new thing. But I did spend a great deal of time doing, um, you know, doing investigation and uh, talking to a lot of people first. Mm, and Vinay, you've got a very strong message because that's, I think, another important. It's like, what's your expertise or what's your superpower? And I yes. love the way you've got disrupt the status quo. That's a very clear message. And that yes. can tie into so many things, like from culture to inclusion to lots of things. So how did you yeah. come up with that? How did you come up with that headline? It's so funny. You know, I have a team now, so I don't have to do all these things by myself. And we were just sitting there brainstorming. And um, what I, I am noticing all the time when I go into cultures, how resilient they are to change. <laughs> I thought to myself, my goodness, I have never seen anything more resilient than the status quo. That is like everybody, they, no one wants to rock the boat. They want better results but they don't want to change anything, you know, like with diversity, they want difference, but they don't want to do anything differently. And so what I thought about was there's something about my background and where I've come from and how far I've gone that makes me understand that we are truly missing out when we don't embrace our differences. And so I started thinking about this as, D disruption because people talk about it in tech so much, you know, technology, they're always like disrupting and innovating and whatever. And we basically borrowed that language mm. uh, and said, okay, I'm a cultural innovator. I am trying to innovate on cultures. And in order to do that, I have to be a disruptor. And the thing I'm disrupting is the thing that everyone's clinging to, which is the status quo, even though they say they want something different. And, you know, in the law and in tech, in a lot of places, there is this overwhelming male-dominated um, and often white, male, straight, Protestant-dominated, you know? It's like a group of people come together, they're with their friends, they create an organization, and it reflects them and their culture. But then if you really want to grow and actually be relevant and competent um, in the future and financially prosperous, you really do need to open and um, expand. And so that's the idea of disruption. Like, you have to actually... I don't want to say break, but you definitely have to um, get people to be wanting to, to to evaluate their culture so that you can innovate um, in a way that creates more opportunity for more people. That's so true. I see that too. There is. It's interesting when organizations go through lots of change, there is a high level of resilience towards change, although they don't see it that way. They see it as they're overwhelmed and stressed because there's too much change. But I think right. what it is, it's, it's once again, like you said, they know that they want to shift their culture. They just don't know how to do it. And I think yeah. that's the gap. It's the how piece. Yes, it's the how piece and it's a lot. You mean I need, I can't start, I can't, I have to stop doing that and I have to start doing this. Like mm. once they figure out what the, the, the costs are, because the costs go both ways, you know, there's the cost of not changing and then there's the cost of changing and they've got to figure out which thing is more compelling for them because most people 
don't they they don't know what it's going to take and when they find out what it's going to take they don't want to do it <laughs> you know yes. because, especially if they're in the comfort space if you're not in the comfort space you're like yes we need change but if you're in the comfort space you realize that it means that you're going to have to do something different so true and i think that when you put it out that like that it would be easy to see you've got two separate pictures that's this is if this is if you choose not to change in your culture this is what the cost is compared to if you do make these shifts and changes that's what the right. cost to the organization is and culture in itself can take anything from 2 to 5 years even 10 years to change an organization and i really think that's completely up to the leaders themselves what do you think yeah. Say that again one more time. I I believe, this is just what I believe, because from yeah. a culture perspective, it can take two years, five years, even up to 10 years. The yes. common denominator is the leadership team. Either yeah. they are on board or not on board. What are your thoughts about that? Oh, absolutely. There's no change without the leaders being on board. Mm. And because you can do that, I mean, it is helpful to have the bottom up as, in, as as information and data and certainly energy, but nothing will ultimately shift unless the leaders are committed, they're modeling the new behavior, they're keeping other people accountable so that folks understand that like going back to the old behavior is not okay. So yeah, leaders, and they have to be able to articulate a new vision and, um, and the rationale behind it. Um, and that's why some companies move and some don't move very far. Mm, I love the, the whole rationale piece. I think that's one thing we talk about what we need to do and we don't go into the why. We're yes. doing, you know, the importance of us making these changes because the why is what drives you at, a, at that deeper unconscious level anyway. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. So, Vinay, the other question we love to ask our woman of inspiration is about pain points. So what would be some of your pain points that you deal with on a day-to-day -day ba basis and how do you stumble upon your solutions? Yeah. So that's interesting. I mean, one of the main pain points for me was um, changing my business two years ago after 20 years of or 18 years of being in business. And I had grown the business and I had a number of um, independent contractors working for me. I had taught them how to do the work and then I, you know, different clients, I send them out, whatever. And I had hired a um, a CEO and my CEO said, you know, we're not making the leverage that you think you have here is not really, um, you know, by having other people go out, um, isn't really working and it's putting in an, you're not making that much money and it's putting an enormous amount of pressure on you because you're constantly having to, to get pe to teach people and to get, make sure that the quality is is good and many of clients still prefer you anyway. I think you would fly if you didn't have all of these other things to do. And I was like, no, but this is my company and this is what I built and I can't, and it'll be terrible because I, I have all these people who are depending on me. And she goes, you're not responsible for them. You pay them good money. You give them work, but they, they're not, you're not responsible for them. And I was like, oh, I think I am. You know, it took me for like weeks of praying and 
journaling and trying to listen to my true voice before I said, okay, I'm going to let it go. And truth be told, I knew that she was right, but I didn't want to disappoint people. I didn't want to make people sad. Um, you know, and maybe I was also maybe afraid that it couldn't work. Just me out there by myself, mm. <laughs> you know, and but I did it <laughs> and it's for two years and it's been exciting. And yes, she was right. I am flying and I feel less weight and a lot of the energy and investment that we were putting in to others. Um, we are now putting into to products and to building a different type of company. So that was um, yeah. So that was a period period where I was just so uncertain, but I pulled the trigger and I'm glad that I did. Oh, wow. So, Vinay, you also work with large corporations and, and entrepreneurs. And so what do you think would be one of the reasons they fail to succeed? Well, you know, I was thinking about this and I was thinking they're overworking and underworking. I think underworking is like you know, people don't understand how much work it takes. Right. And so a lot of that's why a lot of people are like happy to get their check at, you know, every two weeks from, as they say, the man or whatever, because they're like, you know what, I'm living my life differently. I'm going to go off and on the weekends, I'm going to have fun. And I do this thing during the day and whatever. And so they don't want to put in the level of work that it really takes to be a successful entrepreneur. And so underworking, I think, is an issue where people start businesses and then they're just like devastated by how much it takes and how much time it takes and how you have to do 40 different jobs and blah, blah, blah. Um, and But there's also overworking. Because when you're an entrepreneur, your work never ends. You're constantly talking to people and networking and, you know, filling out forms and trying to get clients and, you know, just a million things, teaching yourself, learning on the go. Um, and you can get into never taking a break and always feeling like everything is so urgent and when you do that, you lose, you, you're not grounded. You often lose your health. Um, you also get really, really tired. Your relationships suffer. Um, and also your product or service could also suffer. So I think those two areas are really important for people to focus on. And I also think that people don't get help. Sometimes instead of they're like, well, it's going to cost too much to get help. So I'm not going to get help or I don't want to listen to other people. I'm only going to listen to myself. And I think that um, trying knowing when you need help and asking for it is also a really important piece for an entrepreneur. Mm, I know I could relate to that one definitely, Vinay. I I had uh, I thought I had to do it all by myself, and it was just and until I did get really overwhelmed burnt out that I had to then reach out and ask for help so and I think it depends you know I remember for me I looked at that as a sign of weakness asking for help and in actual fact it's actually a sign of strength yep yeah yeah sign of weakness yeah mm. I mean our egos are troubling <laughs> yes <laughs> you know it's like come on now you're it you are you can still be awesome 
and need help. Like, it's like, right? It's not going to take away from who you are to get help. Mm, I know. We talk about the ego quite often. It's how to identify the difference um, between the ego voice and that inner higher voice, God voice, whatever you want to know. And that ego voice is always going to speak louder. So for these entrepreneurs, it's really important for us to, you know, slow down to be able to hear that softer voice because that's the one that guides us. You know, I take every every year I take the month of August off, which for an American is unheard of. Um, and um, the reason why I do that is because my brain needs to rest mm-hmm. and I need to refuel. And um, sometimes our best ideas are not do not happen in the grind, in mm-hmm. the middle of the grind. You know, it happens when we quiet down, we ground ourselves, we you know treat ourselves well. Um, that kind of thing. So I think that's an important aspect for everyone to integrate into their work life. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. So, Vinay, as we wrap up the show, we always love to ask our woman of inspiration to pick one word that best describes her personal brand. So what would be that one word for you, darling? Uh, I would say charismatic. Absolutely. For our listeners, if you haven't checked out Vinay, please do. She is very charismatic and a lot of energy, which I absolutely love. Especially for me, which was uh, six o'clock in the morning when we connected. (laughs) (laughs) And the other thing that we love to ask uh, Vinay is uh, to leave our listeners with three shiny golden nuggets. So what would be those three shiny golden nuggets that you would like to leave for our audience today? So let me just say, first of all, my other word was energetic. So (laughs) Ah, there you go. There we go. Um, The first thing I would say is that um, there is something that you were born to do that only you can do. Go figure that out. Uh, I think there is something unique that everyone can contribute. And it's so important for us to, I think, put in the energy to find what that thing is. And it may morph and it may evolve or whatever, but if you're moving in that direction, um, it will blossom. And then I guess the second thing I would say is what I had said a little bit earlier, which is to take care of your whole self in all the things that you are doing. Take care of your whole self. Get sleep. I I cannot tell you how important sleep is. I'm working with Ariana Huffington on lots of different things, and she's been one of the biggest voices about sleep, but I I truly believe it's it's imperative. Um, But also spiritually, physically, just be healthy. It's extremely important um, for you to focus on yourself and take care of your whole self. And then I guess the third thing I would say is find a way to serve others and not from the point of view of pleasing people. But in many ways, I feel that as we find, especially in this world, it's so chaotic right now. And there's so many ways that we could get discouraged and lose our optimism. And but there is also a way that once you find find your gift and you're operating in it, 
you're doing it on behalf of someone else or you or, or you know on serving someone else or making things better or you're volunteering and you're seeing like lights and positive people doing amazing things that in turn feeds our spirit and it informs us about what else is needed in the world and it's just a very beautifully energetic space to be in so a lot of entrepreneurs will get into their corners and they'll just get into their offices and they'll just close down and they'll just work so hard get out um, and serve people and stay connected to people and build relationships so that they will continue to feed your work, inform your work, and so that you can make the world a better place. Oh, wow, Vinay, they are very shiny golden nuggets. I really love the one that there is something you were born to do. I just find that. I just love that one. And also yes. find a way to serve others. And I always remember this quote, and I can't remember who it's from, but it's in the giving that we receive. Because mm -hmm. when you think about humans, we're, it's all about connection, and we are hardwired to give and connect. Yes. Yeah, so it does light up our spirit, as you were saying, or feed our spirit. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. So, Vinay, for our listeners, where's the best place to find you? Well, I'm at Vernay Myers on Twitter. I'm at Vernay Myers on Instagram. I'm at Vernay Myers Speaker on Facebook. Oh, and VernayMyers.com. So if you go to VernayMyers.com, you'll find all of my socials. But um, that's my website. And Vernay is weirdly spelled. It's B-E-R-N-A. And then Myers is M-Y-E-R-S. So follow us. Come see us. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm everywhere. Oh, I love what you do. And for our listeners, check out Vinay. Her website is absolutely divine. She's a gorgeous, inspirational woman. I can't thank you enough for coming on the show and sharing your wisdom with us. Thank you so, so very much. And I'm sure our listeners will reach out to you. I am so grateful and so honored to have a chance to spend time with you. Thank you so much. Thank you so very much. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. That brings us to the end of another episode. I hope you enjoyed the show as it is my mission to reach out and inspire as many individuals like you. And one of the best ways to help us achieve this goal is by giving us a good review on iTunes. It's easy and it only takes about 10 seconds. And when you do, please be sure to let us know by sending us an email to collect your special gift where you have a choice from six guided meditations or an ebook to soothe your soul. Now, if you have any questions or special guests that you would like to hear from, please send us an email to support at katherineplano.com.au and we will get right back to you. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook at Catherine Plano. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. Until next week, please take care of yourself.